This is Indie Business Podcast, Season 1, Episode 6. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs build a solid business platform, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. On this episode, I will introduce you to Samantha Irwin of Standard Wax in Chandler, Arizona. Samantha and her business partner are managing what she calls an accidental business. While this term is practically unknown in traditional business circles, it is not only known, but also common for makers and handmade entrepreneurs to try something new and fun in June and end up with a business by July. In fact, Samantha's story is really almost becoming the norm these days. As Indie Business Network membership surges past the 1,000 mark, it's just proof that handmade is, in fact, the new American manufacturing. Samantha's examples of how you can recover after what she calls train wrecks and then move on to build a sustainable business will inspire and encourage you. You can get a summary and the resource links for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash six. I'll be right back with Samantha Irwin. Samantha Irwin from Standard Wax. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm great. Tell me where you're talking to me from. People are always at really interesting places. Where are you today? I am in Chandler, Arizona, and I'm in a little room actually in my home where Standard Wax pours all of their candles. Great, great. How do you like working from home? I it, I love it and I hate it. It's very it's convenient, but it's also kind of frustrating. Our house is always full of shipping boxes and candle containers and big cases of wax and jugs of oil. But it's nice to be here and kind of make this our home base as we grow. So Samantha, tell us how you started Standard Wax. Give us the backstory there. Yeah, I my background's in marketing, so I've always worked in that. Um, I was working at a, a digital agency where a guy named Andrew and I both applied for the same job and they liked us both so much that they hired us both and we ended up sitting right next to each other and kind of becoming really quick friends just by sitting next to each other all day at work and he was a ceramic artist. So for Christmas one year, I decided I wanted to buy his planters that he made out of ceramic for friends and family as gifts. So I go over to his house and I'm trying to decide which ones I want to buy and pick some out. And he says, oh, don't buy them. Just take them. Nobody wants these. And I'm like, no, they're beautiful. They're amazing. And he's like, oh, I'm a terrible salesperson. I can never sell anything. And I was like, oh, they'd be really neat with candles in them. And he looked at me like square in the eye and said, well, then learn how to make candles. <laughs> so I did. Oh my God. Are you so okay? That is <laughs> yeah. the best story I've ever heard. It's like, okay, so you learn how to make candles and I already know how to make the containers. Um, let's sell them. 
Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I We never really had the intention of selling them. I, I made a bunch that year. It was right on the holidays. So we gave them to family and friends for Christmas, and they all loved them. Like, head over heels, these are so amazing. And they were, I mean, let's be honest, they were gross. I For anybody out there who's made candles, it's hard. It's a science, and these were not the best candles in the world, but everybody still loved them. So we said, oh, my gosh, we're going to... We're going to do a little um, art walk thing that we have here in Phoenix called First Friday. So we did that, and we sold one candle. It was horrible. <laughs> but we somehow kept on with it, and now we accidentally have a business. Accidentally in business. Well, that is, you know, it's amazing that we live in a time when you can do that. I mean, if our parents had met that way, um, <laughs> they'd still be having awful candles in their house or giving them away as gifts. It, it's right. exciting, isn't it? I mean, what was it that, I mean, making candles for fun is one thing, but, uh, you know, taking it to an art festival is quite an investment. How did you decide to do that? Did you guys already know we're going to give this a business go or was it just let's go to the art fest and see what happens? What, how, what was the thought process? Yeah, it was kind of just a let's see what happens thing. Um, I had, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I've tried so many different things. I tried to be a travel agent. I thought about opening a pet store. I had all these just crazy random, no two things alike ideas over the years. And so I was like, well, this, I mean, our friends and family seem to like it. Let's just see what happens. So we, we took them to the art fair and it was a, a train wreck. And I'm trying to remember how we decided to keep going after nobody bought any of our product at the fair. Um, but for some reason we did. Well, let, let's talk about that for a second. Um, everyone has probably experienced that before. Or if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about starting a business, you probably will experience something like that one day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how did you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you both still had jobs at the time, so it wasn't a train wreck that bankrupted you. But how, how did you, um, you know, decide to say, well, something besides, oh, that was fun. You know, let's go have a drink and go back to work. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was interesting because we worked together. So we would see each other all day every day. And anybody who's entrepreneurial a little bit is always in a position where, you know, they hate their day job or they, they always want to do something else. So we would sit there all day and talk and talk and talk. And I think the fact that we sat back to back all day and, and talked about it and people at work would come and, oh, how was, how was the art fair? How did you guys do? And we were so embarrassed. And they're like, <laughs> no, they're amazing. No, they're amazing. So you know, we people out there knew what we were trying to do. So it would be kind of hard to just back out. I think we had the support of, of people kind of egging us on and the fact that we were together all day, every day, I think kind of made it easy to launch something bigger. So Samantha, bring us a little bit forward. How long after the train wreck did you uh, decide that, you know, you were really actually going to go into business? And what were some of the first things you did to get started? Um, the first thing that happened, if I'm remembering correctly, is a local boutique reached out to us and wanted to place an order. They had saw our stuff, I think at the art fair or someone had told them about it. I'm not sure. And they reached out and wanted to place an order and they wanted 60 candles. And to us, we were like, oh my gosh, how will we make 60 candles? <laughs> um, so it was that first store that, and it was a, a store that we both really enjoyed. Like we both like shopping there. It was kind of an honor for them to have asked us, um, so we were super excited about that, and and it's funny looking back, thinking about how difficult it was to make 60 candles, but that kind of um, put it in our heads that this could be a real business. And then shortly after that, 
Um, back when fab.com was kind of in its heyday, the website where they'll send you an email every day, like, here's this cool stuff. It was all very design-oriented flash sale type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reached out to us. I'm not sure how they found us. We had – we're both um, – our background is both in marketing, so we had a pretty legit website. We Everything looked very professional, even if we weren't very professional. <laughs> um, so fab.com reached out to us and wanted to feature us on the site, and we had both really respected that site back in the day. Um, so that was another thing that we were like, wow, people people actually like the stores we like, like our stuff, fab likes our stuff. Um, but it was all kind of a, a hustle, kind of fake it till you make it. Fab needed a a commitment of, I think, a thousand candles to put us on the site. So after the 60 candles and then the thousand candles, we kind of got our feet wet and took off. I love that. You know, it's how many people go to a show or an event or whatever it is and think they totally bombed. They totally bombed and they go home feeling, uh, you know, mortified that they ever did that or just, you know, I guess depressed. And then something like this is possible. So to me, this is like a testimony of how important it is to just get out there and do something, right? Absolutely. We were just talking about this the other day. We had applied for a show in LA and a friend of ours was going to apply too. And she was afraid. And I, I thought, why are you afraid? Like the worst that can happen is you're not going to get in. And if you do get in and you don't sell anything, at least you tried, like you can't be afraid. There's really nothing to be afraid of. It's not going to hurt you in any way to, to fail a little bit. Well, and it obviously helped you. Because yeah. <laughs> you went from 60. I mean, this is before you really even had a retail sale. You went from uh, the train wreck to an order of 60. And in short order after that, a request for 1000. I mean, you must have been on cloud nine. How did you manage to make 1000 candles and still have a full time job? It Both of was you. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> we look back on that time and we just laugh now, but all of the, the ceramic containers that our candles come in are made by hand by Andrew. So one person was making all of these containers and it's time consuming and it's very labor intensive and repetitive. And you know, there were a few mental breakdowns that happened along the way, but we just kept telling ourselves it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And in the end, immediately it wasn't worth it our sales on fab weren't that great our sales at the store that bought our stuff weren't that great but um i think that experience of kind of having to hustle and make a thousand candles when we have no production no idea what we're doing really and just kind of jump in and do it was a great learning experience samantha when you when you delivered a thousand candles to fab and some of them didn't sell i'm just curious did they lower the prices and eventually sell them all or did you have to get some back how was that handled how fab works is you just, they just need a commitment of how much inventory you have on hand and then they launch your sale on the website and you actually ship them from your facility. So if you, you have a thousand candle commitment, but if only one candle sells, then you have 999 sitting on your shelf still. Ooh, but at least you have them and you can sell them yourself. <laughs> exactly. It was kind of liberating after those months of really labor intensive production to just have all of this stuff sitting on the shelves and just sell it. All we had to do was sell it, it was kind of nice. So you and Andrew are still together making candles, but maybe not together at the job anymore? Yeah, both of us have since left that job. Um, I... The candle making is my full-time job now, and Andrew is a graphic designer, so he does freelance work at home. So we're both kind of at home doing odds and ends things while we run the business. That is great. I mean, how how freeing is it that you can 
do the things that you enjoy and figure out how to piece it together to build the life. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. So let's talk a little bit if we could about your 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 production of is he making the ceramic candle holders in the same facility as you make the candles? No, he's um, at his house and he has a full ceramic studio there. So he has all equipment, a few kilns, um, some molds and other casting um, abilities over at his place. So we've, we've kind of taken over both of our houses for the standard wax production, which is one of the beauties of living in, in Arizona is there's so much space. So we still have room to live, but we can also save money on rent and for now run our business out of our two homes. And, and so is he, uh, does he make other ceramics or is, is this pretty much the only ceramic he makes is for standard wax? Um, pretty much the only stuff he makes is for standard wax. He'll get, um, he'll do some stuff for fun for himself um, here and there. I was over there the other day and he was making some cool planters and vases that he's going to use at his house. But other than that, he's pretty committed to just standard wax. So how do the two of you decide like what the new container of the day should be? Is this something, are they all limited editions? Are there any that you can get from year to year? How does that work? Yeah, right now, so what started our company was was this container that kind of looks like a tree stump. It looks like a log, and that's what we made for for years until just this fall, actually, we came out with a new container that's kind of opposite of that. It's super clean and simple and modern. Um, so we really just make the two right now, but they are in a way, I mean, everyone is still one of a kind. They're made from from molds or patterns that he's made, but they're all still kind of shaped by hand and glazed by hand and touched up by hand. So there's little nuances to each one that are still unique. So they're all definitely one of a kind and made by hand. And so does he make the candles? I'm sorry, does he make the containers first and then you decide on the fragrance and the candle combination? Or is it the other way around? Or how does that work? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm trying to think back. It usually stemmed from the container first. For example, for this fall collection, we knew we wanted to make something super clean and simple and modern. Um, and they all have a little pop of color on the inside. So he made the container and then we sat down together and, and decided what glaze color we wanted to see on the inside of each of them. And then the colors kind of determined the scent. So like the, the red one is sage and pomegranate is what we came up with because the, the color kind of coordinates with the scent. And I love that you have like, I'm looking at your Instagram, which by the way, if you want to be inspired, everyone go to standard wax on Instagram. Um, I'm looking at one of these awesome pictures and there are so many and there's just a container, but you know, you guys pay attention to coloring the inside of the container. And I've never seen that before. Why do you do that? And what's the added benefit for that? It was an accident. Um, our original intention um, on those ones was to do like a half dip sort of color on the outside to add a pop of color and it just wasn't working. It wasn't looking right. And the inside always has to be glazed on these pieces. Otherwise the wax will kind of seep through the, the clay and get all over your table and that's just not going to work. So the inside always has to be glazed, but we really wanted the outside to be glazed too. And it just wasn't looking right. So literally hours before a photo shoot of the new products, we just settled on only doing the inside. And I really love it because it's, it's kind of a surprise. You see it on the shelf and it's all white. And then suddenly there's this little surprise on the inside. And as you burn it down, you get more of that color. 
that is just it's just really nice and obviously they're all recyclable so what do some people do what are some of the ideas that people have shared with you about what they've done with these containers when they've finished burning the candles yeah the inspiration from that came from the fact that in the beginning andrew was making these things as planters or um, pencil holders for his desk or just any random sort of thing so as we started putting candles in them we knew immediately that we had to kind of market them as not just a candle, but something you keep forever. And when the candle's gone, you can do all sorts of things with it. So like in my house, I have them in the bathroom for my makeup brushes. I have them at my desk for my pencils. There's plants in them everywhere. They make amazing planters. Uh, we see candy dishes, basically anything you would use like a bowl or a cup for. We've, we've seen that stuff inside our containers. So I, I love that almost every answer is it was an accident. <laughs> Just... well, I know. I'm realizing that as I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, I, I, I really love it because it makes for a great story. But also, I think it just shows to everyone what's really possible. I know I said this before about just stepping out there. So you've done that obviously several times, just taken, you know, your train wreck or your accident and turned it into something. What what kind of mindset do people have to have to make that choice instead of going, oh my gosh, you know, we can't get the outside to glaze. Let's just trash it all. Yeah, I think that's where Andrew and I really balance each other out well because he can tend to get pretty stressed and overwhelmed and he's at, at heart he's an artist so he doesn't exactly have the same business sense that I do and I think that's kind of how we balance each other out really well and I've been known to maybe even to a fault kind of let things go so I think it's kind of helped to have his his hyper stress and my literally no level of stress kind of balance each other out to just kind of write it out and see what happens. So Samantha, let me ask you a little bit more about that because it's fascinating to me. And I know a lot of our, um, our listeners who are working with um, a partner, oftentimes their spouse or their significant other, and they find that the, you know, the differences between them, and we always have to work out differences between ourselves when we're in relationships, but the differences between how they approach things really, really get a spotlight shined on them when they work together in a business. How, what, what is your and Andrew's approach to handling that? How do you, do you have a, you know, like a daily meeting? Do you write things down and you can only talk about it before dinner? I mean, how, how do you manage to really, really assess those differences in a way that turns them into strengths instead of something that pulls you apart? Yeah, it's been a learning process for sure. Actually, as we're talking right now, I think I've received 75 text messages from him because we're both kind of of the mindset that something comes to our mind and we need to get it out right away. Um, so it's kind of a 24-hour-a-day thing, which probably needs to, to calm down a little bit if we're ever going to lead regular lives. <laughs> but um, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because we have so many ideas and they're always just kind of spewing out of our mouths. Um, mm -hmm. But a bad thing because it's kind of hard to keep track of them sometimes. So every now and then we'll um, sit down and just have a meeting and get a bunch of ideas out and kind of decide what we're going to focus on. Even though we want to focus on 8 million things, we need to pick maybe 8 to focus on for the next few weeks or so. Um, 
but yeah, I think we balance each other out really well. People have always asked, you know, like what advice would you give to someone starting a business? And Mm -hmm. I would tell them to definitely have a partner because I could never imagine doing this on my own. I would have given up a long time ago. That other person is always there to kind of, when you're on, they're off. And when they're on, you're off. So you kind of balance each other out. And I think that might be another reason why we haven't given up yet because there's always that other person kind of pushing you along. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that whenever I look at the text messages between my husband and I, I see like, almost all of them are from me. And (laughs) the ones that he responds to are like, well, I just, I just figured I'd see you before I could answer all of your text messages. So it is kind of funny how I have to probably watch that. But um, I'm looking at it now going, oh, that must be a little annoying. But anyway, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, we all just have to figure it out as we go along. And that's really one of the things that makes a business successful. Wouldn't you say that you're willing to go into every day saying, "Okay, well, this is my plan. But if this doesn't work, you know, I'm going to figure it out. Right. Yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about about how your business model works. Are you mostly wholesale, retail? How do you um, sell your candles mainly? We are mostly wholesale. Um, We started out just locally here in Phoenix and then have slowly been branching out to other states. Um, We do a little bit of retail from our website and then we also do a, a few shows every year, but nothing crazy. We do a couple locally here in Phoenix and then we do one in LA twice a year called Unique LA, which I love. Um, but other than that, just mostly wholesale to small boutiques. How did you choose Unique LA and what do you like about that one? Oh gosh, I can't remember. I think Andrew found it because a friend of his had done it and it looked really neat. As an artist, Andrew had sold his paintings and ceramic work at Renegade once and it wasn't Mm -hmm. really the right vibe. Um, But his friend goes, oh my gosh, no, 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 you have to try Unique. So I go to the website to apply and just something about it it's not crafty it's not it's it's just very hip and modern and it's not like you're going to a craft fair you're going to like a a shopping event it's it's very curated and and really neat that sounds wonderful I know we have some other members that do that show and it's always fascinating I like to follow them on Twitter and Instagram to see all the pictures that they post um it's it's a really great venue it's it looks like a lot of fun especially for something as colorful as what you guys offer do both of you normally travel to shows or just one nope we both go especially to LA if it's a local one here in Phoenix we might um just one of us go or we might do it in shifts but we both go to LA. We love it. It's fun. We get to meet so many people at shows. Um, I just, I like the vibe of getting to sit and talk to people and get feedback and it's fun. Do, do you find yourself developing relationships with other makers and handmade entrepreneurs through these kinds of shows? Absolutely. Yeah. The last time we were there, actually, we, um, I don't know for other people who make candles if, if they experienced this when they were starting, but people are very secretive. They It's very, you know, special formulas and secret ingredients and they don't want to, they don't want to help you. They don't want to share their, their processes with you. Um, it's very much a science and, and it's kind of hush hush. Uh, but last time we did Unique LA, we actually became fairly good friends with um, Kristen and Tom from PF Candle Company. And 
it was amazing to get to know them and, and actually be able to talk to somebody about candles without them kind of looking at you like, are you going to steal my ideas? Are you, are you going to rip me off? Cause we kind of both realized, you know, our stuff is different. We're not in competition. We're, we're all going to succeed together. So it was, that's probably the best connection that we've made from one of the shows was actually becoming friends with another candle company. I so believe that a rising tide does really lift all ships. And PF Candle Company, is that Palm Fritz? They're members, right? They're IBM yeah. members? Mm-hmm. How cool is amazing. that? They yeah. are. I know. that is. That, I'm so excited to hear that. You know, that just makes my heart go pitter-patter when our members, <laughs> members connect that way. And, you know, I, I have a special fond remembrance of how we met because a while ago I was making a phone call every day to a member of IBM and you know, it's amazing. I know so many members personally, and I came across you and I was like, well, I've never met her. So I called you. I think you actually answered the phone and we ended up having a great conversation. You were kind of like, why is she calling me? (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. I was actually deathly sick laying on the couch and I thought, oh my gosh, who's calling? What do they need from me? And it was actually kind of a nice surprise for it to not be uh, anything I had to think about or whatever, just a nice conversation. That was fun. I do remember that you were sick. I felt so bad, but I was very excited to talk with you and, and have just been following you and Andrew ever since and you 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 have you seem to have a lot of fun together and that to me just seems to make everything well life is better when it's fun obviously but certainly as entrepreneurs running a business together particularly when one of you is way craftsy and the other one is you know maybe maybe craftsy but more entrepreneurially I mean what what a great combination that you bring to the table yeah, we have a lot of fun. We were definitely friends before we started the business, which made it a lot easier. And now sometimes when we're so focused on work, sometimes we, we take a step back. We're like, let's go do something fun. We need to kind of turn this off for a minute and not become those people that hate each other because they work together. And and you guys, um, you know, you, you, really, you really create a wonderful branding impression. I love the wax stamp that you use and everything just always looks so coordinated. So you've been able to put your... Uh, your marketing background, uh, and obviously his graphics background to good use. Yeah, and that's something we're really, anybody who who's starting a business, that's something I really preach to them is image is everything, even if, even if you have no idea what you're doing, but you put a really professional, beautiful looking brand out there, people will take you seriously. So if you're going to invest in something, I would definitely recommend in photography and branding and graphic mm-hmm. design and packaging and just make yourself look as reputable as you can and usually does the trick. <laughs> Samantha, how, what advice do you have for someone who's listening to our show right now and they're at a job, but they do something maker-wise very well and they've been told that their products are nice and maybe I'll buy them or I'd be interested in doing that, but they're just, you know, the economy is what it is and the world is what it is today and People are a little bit, um, I don't want to always use the word fear, but just, you know, not so um, uh, engaged in the idea of leaving a job. It's it's funny that you and Andrew kind of almost, as you say, accidentally stumbled onto this. Um, if someone's trying to do it in a more intentional way, what would you suggest to them to get them moving in that direction so that they can learn how to take a little bit of a risk without, um, you know, being unwise in terms of their risk taking? Yeah, I think um, there's this whole glamour and glitz around being a business owner and started a business, starting a business, which a lot of us know isn't exactly true. Um, 
So I would just suggest, you know, go to your go to your day job and do what you need to do, and then just know that when you come home, you're you're not going to just spend an hour on your your side business or two hours, but you're going to have to spend long, long nights, almost another full day's work to try and get this business off the ground to the point where you're comfortable, maybe taking a step back from your day job. And what I would suggest is, I mean, how I did it and how Andrew's doing it too is find something that you can do to still make a little bit of money without being kind of chained to your desk at work all day. So mm-hmm. he has his freelance stuff that, that he's doing. I started um, doing some consulting and contracting work um, for a few clients outside of where I was working to kind of build that up a little bit. So we kind of have our hands in a lot of pots to make it work. Um, but the biggest thing would just be work really, really hard after work so that you can kind of make that your day job instead. And, and how have you, you know, put together like your production days? Do you have certain days that you make candles, certain days that you market, certain days you take off? Do you have a system like that? Not yet. We're working on it right now. It's kind of it's kind of crazy and chaotic and mm-hmm. uh, com- whatever comes our way. Really, I I'm usually making candles most days. Um, I'll usually make them in the morning and then I'll spend the afternoon shipping um, and then emails kind of throughout the day. I'm kind of one of those people that I don't think I do very well with a set, a set schedule. So I'm kind of all over the place. I'll go mm-hmm. make candles. I'll answer some emails. I'll make some calls. I'll go ship some stuff. I'll run some errands. It's kind of, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, <laughs> but eventually it would be nice to get to the point where maybe we're pouring candles these two days and shipping on another day or or something. But no, right now we have no rhyme or reason. It's probably not the best. <laughs> well, it, you sound very happy. And um, it certainly is working um, on, on many levels. Um, nothing's perfect, of course. And you know, we're all evolving. And um, you mentioned that it wasn't glamorous. I'm like, yeah, as I sit here in my t-shirt and shorts. Um, yeah, I had so a panic true. attack when I thought, oh my gosh, is she going to be able to see video of me as we talk? Because I am covered in candle wax and apron and glasses on and my hair up in a bun. So. Oh, darn. I wish I wish that that would really make it even better to like show like a day in the life. But then I would have to be Real on life. too. And I'm not ready yeah. either. So we don't want to do that. Samantha, yeah. what are your best selling candles? Um, right now it is the sage and pomegranate in our red container and it might have something to do with the fact that I'm personally obsessed with it. So I kind of rave about it to anybody who asks about our candles or anybody I see or any potential wholesale client, I'm raving about it to them. Um, but I think it kind of, it says a lot if I'm around this stuff all day and I still actually love it. So that is the number one right now. It sounds, it sounds delicious. It sounds like a nice marriage of fruity and earthy woodsy um that's yeah, what it sounds it's, like it's yeah spicy and but it's spicy and perfect for fall and winter but it also wouldn't be weird to burn it you know in the spring or the summer it's not like you would be burning pumpkin spice in the summer because that might be a little bit weird it's kind of a, a good balance and then when you're done you have a holder for your toothbrush and your makeup yeah. <laughs> makeup brushes there you go <laughs> samantha you use a lot of social media how do you find that it's effective in reaching into the wholesale arena I think it's one of our best tools. Actually, a lot of our um, wholesale accounts have come from Instagram. 
Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about investing in photography and investing in marketing mm -hmm. and, and branding. It just puts that image out there like you know what you're doing and you have a beautiful product and images sell things. That's what Instagram's all about. People are scrolling through. They're not going to stop on an ugly picture. So if you have a, a beautiful image right there, it kind of makes people stop and look and Andrew's kind of of the mindset where at first he hated, why are you spending so much time on Instagram? This doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. And then he kind of realized all of the shops that are on there and the stores are on there. Right. And how all of these, <laughs> all these people are finding us on Instagram. And it's not so much for the end customer for us as it is for shops and boutiques that are on there finding products for their stores. All right. So, so check, check your uh, text for a message from Andrew about uh, you haven't Instagrammed. <laughs> In the last half hour, you've been on the phone with Donna Maria. Go Instagram. Yeah. I love that. You know, Instagram to me and other people that I've talked with has been an amazing surprise. I mean, we all sat back a couple of years ago when Facebook plunked a billion dollars down for it. And we kind of went, oh, gosh, now we know why they did that. And it's just it's just astonishing um, how effective it is and how quick and fast and easy it is as well. And free. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Uh, social media site. I love it. I love it too. So Samantha, tell us where do we go to get more of your products? What are your what's your favorite um, place to send people who are interested in buying your stuff now? Yeah, everything is on standardwax.com. So you can buy product from our shop there or it lists all of the retailers that we're currently selling at if you want to see if there's one nearby. Oh, great. Congratulations on all your accidental success. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today. Next time I invite you, I'm going to ask you to um, send us a picture with the glasses and the wax all over the place. Oh, I, I love, know. love that sure. idea. You know, because it's a behind the scenes thing that's really popular. It sells candles. Yeah, it's real life. <laughs> we look forward to that, Samantha. And tell Andrew that we said hello, and we're looking forward to seeing more of what you guys do together. Your 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 partnership is amazingly inspiring, and we're just going to be watching to see all the fun accidental things that happen next. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Samantha Irwin. There really is no such thing as an accident, you know? And now, here is our question of the week. It comes from Natalia Golovinov of Golden Gate Homeopathy in Walnut Creek, California. And Natalia says, how do you make people on Twitter aware of you as a brand? Now, Natalia, that is a great question. And it really is a simple question as well, but it's also challenging. It's simple to do, but it's challenging. So let me give you some tips and let me just first encourage you that it's not hard. Okay. It's really not hard, but it does require consistent effort and energy to attract people to your brand on Twitter. And that's what you want, right? So um, you want to be able to get those results. So let's think about adjusting our mindset to make sure that we are prepared to put in the energy and the time and the resources that it really takes to build a brand and attract people on Twitter who can not only help your business grow, but also who can become customers of yours or who can also refer other people to you. So I've got three tips for you, Natalia. The first thing is to make your profile look great. Now, Twitter now allows you to upload a very big and colorful picture as your cover image. 
That is a very valuable piece of real estate up there at the top of your Twitter page. So get rid of the solid colors and the stock photographs and exchange those things for something that really brands your business. Pictures of you with your customers, photographs of your products on display or both, um, your slogan, your logo. You know, just use some some things that really brand your business and also use an avatar that showcases your brand in a positive light. It may be a picture of you, and if so, smile and be welcoming. Welcome people into your world. If it's a picture of your products, make sure you choose the best image you have and make sure your bio describes your brand well also. Number two, use hashtags to find your target audience and professional colleagues. Now, I see that you are a naturopath and a homeopathic doctor and you're licensed, so Twitter's a great way to use hashtags to find people that are interested in what you do, that are talking about what you do, that have written books about what you do, that are looking for collaborative opportunities with people like you. So use hashtags for words like naturopath naturopathic, homeopathy, homeopathic, those sorts of terms. On Twitter, you can just use the search tool right there on Twitter and find out what people are saying. You'll find some great conferences to attend. You'll find some books to read and things of that nature. And start talking to those people. Respond to them. If they tweet about a conference, say, you know, I'd like to go. How can I find out more? Or I spoke there last year. It was wonderful. Or Um, You know, I I offer similar services to you or, you know, we're in the same area and we're both practicing colleagues in this area. So you reach out to people and that's how you make them aware of you. And finally, Natalia, number three, share your commentary on your Twitter posts. I took a quick look at your Twitter and you do tweet regularly and that's fantastic. And one thing I noticed is that you don't use up the whole 140 characters available to you when you tweet. So while that may not seem like a very big deal, the truth is that people want to get to know you and your brand for something. And so use that space to talk to them about what you think, how you feel, um, the things that you want to share with them. Just use that space to talk to people about what you're passionate about. You don't always have to share a link. You can just share something that matters to you where your work is concerned. So, um, Tweeting a link all by itself, though, really doesn't encourage me to to do anything, to take any action. It doesn't let me know anything about your brand. So, for example, one of your recent tweets says this, quote, good ideas and suggestions, unquote. And then there's a link. Now, that's really no information at all. I don't know what the suggestions are or even what the topic is. It could be recipes. It could be exercise. It could be sunsets. It could be anything. If you let me know what it is, then I might be more inclined to click on it. And if you tell me how you feel about it or what you think about it, this is good advice and it helped me uh, do something better in my life, for example. Whatever it might be, if you share in that way, then not only will you be more conversational with people, but you'll also be branding your business, particularly when you're tweeting about things that have to do with your particular professional field. So I hope that's helpful to you, those three tips, making sure that you use that valuable real estate at the top of your Twitter page using hashtags to connect with people and make them aware of who you are and also sharing your commentary and just a little bit of 
insight into who you are in your Twitter posts so that we can get to know you and your brand better. You know, if you have a question that you'd like to ask me about small business success, just go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash question. Or you can just open up the podcast at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash six and scroll down to that blog post at the bottom and you'll see a link where you can submit a question. And if we use your question here on the podcast, we'll also link to your website and give you some increased visibility. So that's a little bit of leverage that we like to share with you as well. If you enjoyed this episode of Indie Business Podcast, won't you show us a little bit of love? Just go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash love, and you can let your friends on Twitter know that you enjoy our podcast. I would so appreciate it if you would do that. And just, you know, let me know that you're listening, that you're enjoying it. It just means so much to me and my team to know that our work matters to you and that you consider it worthy of sharing with your friends. And also, you know, if there's anything that we can do to improve or if you'd like to have us do a particular type of show or if you know someone that we should interview, let us know that too. There's a contact link on our website at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.